For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Hello and welcome to episode seven of Cow Corner. We're here to review the 2020 series between England and Pakistan. It's early in the morning. He's got his coffee in his hands. Glenn, how are you doing? Uh, I'm good, thank you. A little bit tired and it's not a coffee. It is a, uh, a peach and mango energy because I, I care about my body. I'm sure it's <laughs> incredibly healthy for you. Good morning. Thank you for joining us. And we are also joined again by our northern correspondent, Headingley's just near the window. It's Zach Harwood. How are you doing? How was your cricket game uh, this week? You've actually played some real life cricket. How, um, how did it go? I mean, it didn't go well. We lost. I uh, didn't take any wickets. I bowled, I think, three height no balls. And in the four I was playing, there was actually three hits. So not only did I get smacked off of the height no balls, I then had to bowl a free, uh, like a ball that was you know, a free hit afterwards. So not exceptionally well. I did hit five, but I mean, hitting five with the bat is... I mean, not quite right, as it was uh, the wides are actually given to the batsmen in this form of the game. <laughs> so it was actually more of an eight ball duck. But the scorecard says I got five. So we're going to go with that. But other than that, yeah, I'm great. I want to hear more about this energy. It, it's an energy drink, I'm presuming, not just an energy. It wasn't really described much. I want to hear more about the drink, Glenn. Um, well, it's we can't, we can't endorse any brands, but it is V8, and it's actually pretty decent. It's peach and mango, and there's apparently, I think, one whole vegetable in there they ground up for me. So, you know, start the day right, that's what I say. Brilliant. Other energy drinks are, of course, available, and if Glenn's <laughs> speech suddenly speeds up toward the end of the episode, um, you can blame it on that. Um, fantastic. Thanks both for coming. Um, we've got a great little 2020 series to review, um, England-Pakistan. Again, all condensed pretty quickly in the bubble. All the games at Old Trafford. Uh, the first T20 was washed out. Unfortunately, England had, had a little bat. Didn't lock enough runs to me, but we never found out what Pakistan might have done. Uh, the second T20, England won by five wickets. Uh, chasing down a, a really sizable total. Pakistan made 195 for four. Uh, they batted first. Uh, knocked from the top three, uh, 56, 36 and 69 from Baba, Fakhar and Hafiz, respectively. A good total and you know, only four wickets for England. Uh, Rashid, two for 32, was the standout bowler. And then England chased it down um, with five balls to spare, 199 for five. Knocks from Milan and Morgan, who was man of the match, 54 and 66, respectively. Got England over the line. Billings managed to get himself out with one, needing one off six, which really cracked me up. Um, and uh, Milan hit the winning runs in the end. So England winning by five wickets. Uh, the third T20, which happened... Uh, last night, the 1st of September, uh, Pakistan won by five runs this time. On the last ball, England had a chance to win it. They needed six off one and Curran couldn't quite hit it. Uh, Mohamed Afis, the evergreen Mohamed Afis with 86 not out. He's averaging 90 in his last 80-20 innings, which is something quite amazing for a man of his age. Posting 190 for four. England already chased that down the other day, so we thought we might have a chance. And we nearly did. It, it was a great game. I mean, Shaheen came out and bowled fantastically and sort of slowed him to start, but Bantam with 46. And Moeen Ali returned with a gorgeous 61 off 33 balls. Uh, unfortunately, it wasn't quite enough to get England over the line. Too many wickets lost, um, and Tom Curran, Curran couldn't quite hit the last ball uh, for six. So the series finished 1 1. Um, my notes here say I spent most of this series Googling the ages of the Pakistan players to find mm. out how old they were. Um, because some of them are, are fantastically old and some of them fantastically young. It, it was a great, it was a great squad. And Imad had the best beard I've seen on a cricket field for a long time. But it looks like he chucks it. His bowling action's weird. Uh, and Moe Nali, I just put finally in an exclamation mark. Glenn, what are your sort of takeaways in this series? What did you enjoy? Who did you like? And you know, what are your thoughts? 
Thank you, Dan. That's a great summary, as always. Uh, there was a lot to love. As you said, it was a pretty condensed um, series, so the games came thick and fast. But I think there was a lot of quality on display. I think Tom Banton really stepped up. Um, Jason Roy wasn't opening with Bairstow due to injury. And I think Banton really demonstrated exactly why he's A, in this England team, and B, prefers opening. He clearly prefers pace on the ball. His, his hitting, I mean, I know the first game was postponed, but his 71 or 42 was fantastic and that included five sixes and you know he can hit you know 360 degrees he can hit everywhere around the ground which i absolutely love so i think although he only scored 20 in the second innings he really came back into form with a very crafty 46 that started england's push towards um towards a competitive game in that in that final match um moeen the revival of moeen i think everyone every cricket fan could enjoy i mean some of those strokes were absolutely gorgeous he had a strike rate of over 180 for a 61 runs in this last game. And some of those shots, I mean, that cover drive, you know, it hit. Um, it was just perfect. You know, it's good when he just holds the shot for a couple of seconds afterwards. In terms of players who I wasn't expecting much from, Gregory did did bits and pieces, but I don't think he, he put enough of a stamp on it to, to stay in this T, uh, T20 um, international squad but Somerset will be glad to have him back for the domestic game and I was really impressed with Sam Billings I really like him I think he's a very powerful player and it was just unfortunate that as you said he couldn't quite um, you know make that 10 which I think was match winning in that second game I think he really took the pressure off England in the um, towards the end of that second game that 10 and the 26 yesterday you know if he had just pushed towards a 40 or even a 50 I think he really would have cemented um, potentially a place in this team but yeah they were my standouts um, Zach especially the bowling who, who stood out for you so for the bowling I feel like for England it was such a mixed bag we had I've, I've written down in my notes every single time Saki Mahmood first over really good second over not so good I felt like every every uh, over he, he started really well every innings and but then kind of tailed off in the second game there was a bit of an issue I think uh, the first time a slower ball bounce was bowled, it bamboozled Babrazam. But then that meant that every single ball after that, they just kept bowling the same slower ball. And after a while, Hafiz was just swatting them back over mid-off. And it was so easy. I don't know why they didn't turn to Yorkers sooner, because as soon as they turned to Yorkers, it worked a lot better for them, like it so often does in a T20 game. Yeah, I'm going to bring up on that bowling, actually, because it's the part of the England team I just don't... I don't not get, but I struggle to analyse because T20 is so hard to kind of perform well. I think what we did learn or at least get reaffirmed to us this series was that Chris Jordan's world class and the longer we can have him around in the team, the better. You know, he's he's a bit hot and cold when he's hot. His Yorkers and his death bowling is unplayable and I reckon it saves, you know, 10, 15 runs in innings. Rashid, he went for a bit in the third T20, but his two foot in the second T20 again, shows how useful he is. To have a spinner who can spin it two ways, I think for England's great. I wonder what you both think about Tom Curran. Um, I've put Dernback energy uh, in my notes. He, he really reminds <laughs> me of Jay Dernback in that he's got, all the, he's got all the variations. He's from Surrey. He looks like a bit of a poser. And I just don't... He's in both the squads for the Australia series. Um, and I think both the Currans have got, you know, a lot to give for England. But I don't quite know what he does he's not express pace like Mahmood I don't feel like his death bowling is as good as Jordan when Wood and Archer come back in again there's that express pace element you know what do we think about Curran where's his place in the team well unfortunately back in 2018 um, Curran called um, Zach and I's Somerset he called our fans a bunch of peasants unfortunately oh. Oh. after they gave him a little bit too much stick in the field so he, ha he had a little cry about that so I do feel he has this Dernback energy because I really don't like him either yeah. um, so on a personal note mm, potentially a little bit on the privileged side of the cricketers <laughs> but as a actually if we're going to stick you know purely to on the field I think he's pretty excellent I think he bowled really well uh, last night in the third test you know that delivery Pitching it up clearly seemed to work, and the delivery that um, that got Babber out was perfect. You know, it's just short of a Yorker, demolished his stumps, and I think it was really interesting how the first three wickets for England were all bowled. I think that really spoke to 
in a way, a pitch that the Pakistan um, batsmen quite rightfully thought they'd worked out because it wasn't particularly, there wasn't much there for the bowlers. I mean, we saw Rashid get absolutely carted around. And I think it's worth noting that we only actually took eight wickets in the two games, which isn't very many. Um, but just on the Tom Curran note, I, I like him as, as a, you know, on the field. And I think he offers something a little bit different. Um, he is a very clearly very passionate cricketer again. Yeah, it's tough with the bowling unit. No one really stood out. You know, no one really took more than a couple of wickets. Um, Jordan was the highest wicket taker and he only got three over the series. I know we only it was only two games that we actually bowled in. But yet yeah, no one no one really demanded their place in the team. Mahmood, I think you're, um, you're you're both spot on there in terms of like he started well then kind of trailed off. Um, he's clearly a great athlete. Um, that was mentioned on the comms yesterday. But he didn't take a wicket in, in eight overs. He was wicketless for the series, which is a little bit disappointing. If you're going to be a strike bowler, you know, it's T20. It's not much cricket. I appreciate that. But if you're going to go for above nine, I think you need to take wickets. So he wasn't economical or a wicket taker. Yeah, and then the rest, Gregory, you know, as, as we said, I'm a big fan of him. But didn't really didn't really do enough again not a particularly good economy throughout the um innings but yeah bits and pieces um what do you think about the current question zach yeah i mean i actually do like tom curran quite a lot like i watched quite a lot of him playing in the big bash over the winter and he was he he's useful with the bat as well which is something we haven't mentioned i mean we didn't see much of him we, i mean we saw him hit a big six yesterday that for a second made me think we were we were going to win the game uh, yeah but yeah I think he is very useful with the bat. I've seen him batting. I mean, he's batted up at four for Surrey in the blast, which doesn't say much. His brother sometimes, Sam, bats at three for them. But um, yeah, he's very useful. And he's he's a box of tricks. He's got a lot of he's got a lot of well variations, which we've seen. And I think he does have something to offer this team. I think, um, like you mentioned, with no one well, with no one standing out. And, not, and us not taking enough wickets. One thing was that, I mean, I'm sure we'll kind of come on to Moeed, but he only bowled one over in each innings. Which I think if you're going to have someone in, because he's in primarily for his bowling, and he bowls that over in the power play. We seem to be obsessed with, yesterday Saqib got two overs in, in the four, first four. We bowled four different bowlers, which is something we did we did quite a lot in South Africa in the winter as well. And I don't really get that. I, I don't. I, I'm interested to hear what you guys think about this, because... I think if you're going to I think you should at least let one bowler bowl two because when you bowl your first over of the day it takes uh, like two or three balls to get into your rhythm so I, I'm interested to see what you guys think about us bowling four different bowlers in, in the first four overs I, I found it interesting I think that's a really good point you bring up because you saw how Pakistan when Shaheen bowled so well in the third T20 but those two overs I think they should give him, give him a third he had his rhythm uh, and it stopped our scoring so, yeah, two overs does make sense, especially for the pace bowlers. Maybe it's a tactic that they're just trying at the minute, and maybe we'll see that more in the Australia series. It was disappointing, definitely, the lack of wickets we took. And I think the fact we only took four in each innings allowed them to get up to that 190-plus both times. I think if we're looking at more wickets, we're maybe looking at chasing 175, 180 instead. For me as well, with Archer and Wood coming back in, they waltzed back into the team. <coughs> probably for Gregory, who I don't personally understand. I know you two are Somerset boys, so you're all in. But I don't want to ever see him in England so again. No disrespect to him. You know, go make your county career. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't get it. So, you know, Archer and Wood coming in from one of them for Gregory will be great. And I just think we take a few yeah, a few more wickets. And then the Moeen thing, and let's come on to his batting, actually, and how he's sort of handled by England with this. Because... He sort of thanked Owen Morgan after this game for sort of sticking by him. And I read today that Morgan asked him to do a little speech or a little talk before the lads went out into the field to sort of give him that, I don't know what Moeen needs, but whatever he needs to feel part of that team and to feel good. I'm thinking his lack of wickets recently, and he did take one yesterday, which was good, is maybe why he's not being bowled as much. On his batting display yesterday, he could be in the team for batting alone. So, Glenn... On the Moeen situation, would you be bowling him more? Is this is this just a, a form thing for him at the minute? Yeah, I mean, much like Zach, I don't really under I don't quite understand the the rationale behind it because you're thinking one of your better bowlers is going to bowl the power play, right? You're gonna you don't want to go for twenty off the first over, and he did a really good job. You know, he won over ten runs and he got a wicket. And although it was a a, a kind of strange wicket in the sense that Fakhar just missed a straight one and I mm. think you could see uh, I think you could see Moeen 
um, mouthing the words, it was straight after the wicket <laughs> in surprise. So even he didn't expect to get that one. I would have um, swapped Moeen for Rashid after um, his second over because he mm. got absolutely carted around the entire ground. Three overs, 40 runs, a pretty brutal economy of 13. And Rashid, unfortunately, did not look like getting a wicket whatsoever. It didn't seem to be turning much. The Pakistan batsmen, who were pretty good at playing spin anyway, used to, you know, dustier conditions. They were picking his googly. That went for six. The leggy wasn't turning a huge amount. So perhaps having Moeen's control, even for an over, I doubt he would have gone for more than, you know, 13, 14. So I don't think it would have been particularly risky in that context. So, yeah, I was a bit disappointed by that because at the end of the day, we only lost, you know, um, Pakistan won by six runs, um, five or six runs. And you know, one tighter over by an off spinner might have actually been the difference there. Yeah, so I think I think he should. I mean, he he's demanded his place on the team again with that with that batting innings, which was absolutely glorious. Yeah, and if if we're giving him two or three overs, then he really becomes a much more pivotal member of this T20 team. It was interesting because I feel like the way Imad bowls for Pakistan, that sort of really darty. He was getting mm. spinners up to about 65 mile an hour. I mean, probably isn't that quick, but he can definitely offer that sort of bowling, which seemed to be useful on this wicket, because I thought he might look really useful. Um, let's talk about his batting. Zach, how good was it to see him in full flow again? Um, yeah. Go on. I'm, I mean, yeah, it was good, but also it kind of annoyed me at the same time, because it was so frustrating that he can do it. I think it's interesting you both say that he demands his place in this team from this batting performance if he bats like this, but actually, I still... For, I mean, if he's not going to bowl, I still would put, you know, any of any of Butler, Billings, uh, Stokes above him in the pecking order for batting because because it's, it's been so inconsistent. It's only actually his second ever T2050. I know T2050s aren't 30s is what you're meant to be aiming for, supposedly mm. nowadays. <laughs> but um, but he just hasn't shown it consistently enough. And he was brilliant in that innings. But again, he didn't I mean, he didn't get us over the line. That's an interesting point. They didn't quite get us over the line. I did put in our Cal Corner chat that he was going to plink eight off eight and then get out. Hmm. And he was seven off eight when he decided to walk down the wicket, miss a ball, nearly walk off just for Safraz to, to, I don't know, lose where the ball was in his gloves. It was a really strange moment because Moeen's missed it. He's heard it hit the keeper's gloves and was about to walk off before he realised that Safraz didn't really know where the ball was and didn't stump him. He then made his 61. I think it's interesting that you, you say he didn't take us over the line, and that would have been huge for him. My, I have the same argument for Sam Billings, actually. They were saying on commentary that it was quite an important innings for him because he's he's sort of the nearly man for England at the minute, and he had a decent series against Ireland, um, looks in great nick at the minute, and a few decent runs here. If he'd taken us over the line, I think in this game, he, he's locked in for the future. He is playing in the Australia series, so another chance for him. The same for Moeen, to sort of build on what they've done here. Um, let's talk about the batting with Billings mm-hmm. in there then. Um, you know, does he make, Glenn, does he make your team when Butler and Stokes are back in the fray? There's no Stokes for Australia series, but obviously Butler comes back in. You know, is he going to be a middle order rock for us or is he still going to be on the fringes? Well, if we think that... Just longer term as well, if we think Jason Roy is surely going to come back into this team, um, you know, looking forward at least over six months, then I think I think we need more from Billings. Um, I th- I really like um, Dawid Milan. I think he's a really excellent batsman. Um, he hit 84 runs, averaging 42 for the series, um, high score of 54. But uh, and he's got an excellent record, you know. He's he had I think it was the figure was six T20 fifties um, in his in his twelve in his twelve innings for England um, before the third game of this series. So he's got a really really excellent record, and I think he goes under the radar a little bit. He was very unlucky to be caught on the boundary um, in this game yesterday. That wasn't a particularly bad shot. It was just an excellent piece of fielding. And if the same way that Moeen was almost out and it would have been same old story for him, I feel like if Milan had if that had been six and he had got another 40, 50, we'd be talking much more about him because he played one of the innings of the series. I feel in that in that second test, the 54 not out to really um carry us over the line there. 
Yeah, it's a tough one. I don't I don't think Billings has done enough to to stay in the team. You know, he's got an average of 19 19.5 for the series. It's not you know, it's not it's not good enough really. But I do really like him technically. Uh again, I think he did play an important innings when we won. I think those two boundaries really contributed to our win. So it's a tough one. But yeah, yeah, exactly. We've got Butler, Stokes, Jason Roy to come back in. That's a, quite a few people coming out, If you, especially um, in light of a lot of the bowling changing. I mean, obviously, Gregory, I think we can all agree, will be the first name on the team sheet to, to drop out, unfortunately, for him. And then, I mean, at least one of Milan or Billings is going to have to go. And I think um, after seeing this series, I would keep Milan over Sam Billings at this moment in time. Zach, you were wincing as so, Glenn was speaking about Milan there. I want to know what you think. I I have something against Doug Milan. I don't really Did like he get you out? Him. No, he didn't get me out. But um, I'm not sure I'm a big fan of him since... Because apparently Owen Morgan isn't the biggest fan of him. I'm not sure if you guys heard about this. Since he... Uh, when he got a, a century in a T20, he refused to run on the last... A, a risky single on the last ball. So he stayed not out. And ever since that moment, I've kind of had a vendetta against him. And even though he has, he performed brilliantly, and I was going to say the exact same thing about the fantastic piece of fielding, that like he was very unlucky not not to hit that for six. But I don't like him, and it really isn't anything based on his performances, though. Um, I get that too, Zach. Actually, I, I read that it's a bit the Dawid Milan show in the dressing room, and and stuff like that isn't really you know appeasing his England teammates. Especially when he's only playing, you know, what, how many international T20s are there per year? Let's say 10. You know, he's only dropping in and out. So, yeah, his innings, he's a good batsman. Is there a place in the, the one-day team for him? Or is he just a T20 slogger, do we reckon? Well, there's there's talk of him potentially potentially having, getting a recall in the test team. It's very mm-hmm. like moments because he hit a century for Yorkshire the other day in the, in the Bob Willis Trophy. So he could be potentially in, like an all-round, all-format player for England. I liked him when he was in the test team, actually. Um, I thought he was a really good bouncer. He seems to do better away from home on the slightly bouncier wickets than England because I think his front foot stays pretty still. Um, let's talk more about the, the T20 batting. Um, you mentioned him briefly at the start, Glenn. Do you want to just talk more about your Somerset boy, Tom Banton? Is he locked in now mm. for the foreseeable? Um, and when Roy comes back in, where does he go? Because he's in my team either way. So does he come in at maybe four, six, you know, where's his future now? Because he's, he's locked in, surely. I think that is the biggest question because he does the best job opening. I think he's a mm. T20 opener. I, I mean, is there a case for Banton and Besto to open and for Roy to come in potentially at three? Um, especially if Milan's not, you know, not going to be in the fold. But just one more quick note on Milan. Like he's averaging 54. I think this was this stat was just before the game yesterday. But can you really argue with an average of 54 in T20 internationals? I think the stats speak for themselves. But I think you both make really good points about, you know, England, especially the test team, have an exceptionally likable team. And I think the dressing room spirit is really a huge part of that. So if he is going to come in and, you know, be a bit arrogant and annoy people, then I think that does have to be a factor. But on stats alone, I just, I don't see why we would drop him. But that aside, oh, you, I you've think he's down. top three in the world as well. He's top in the world at the minute as well. So uh, it's hard to drop somebody like that. And I think when they are only playing 10 games a year in this, and he, he does look useful. Um, and he is, he was great for Middlesex and now is for Yorkshire. So yeah, I, I agree. There's no dropping him. So keep going on Banton though, Glenn. Let's, let's hear what the Somerset boys have got to say about, about you guy. Well, first of all, we miss him. We miss him in the domestic <laughs> game. Uh, we got a great win yesterday, which was which was really um, really useful um, for Somerset as we lost the game before that earlier in the week. Yeah, he, he, it's a tough one. I just Zach, I'll go to you for this. Where, where would you put him and Roy in this in the same lineup? Well, so first of all, I, I just if we just talk a little bit more about this this first T20 innings by Banton. For me, this was the epitome of the Tom Banton innings. I watched a lot of him last year in the 50 over in the 50 over tournament in the blast, and he and also in the big bash this winter he played really well. Struggled a lot more in the PSL, but this was the classic Banton innings. Early on, he gave a chance to first slip, which was dropped. Which pretty much every single time Banton goes on to make a big innings, he gives away a chance like that early on. As soon as he did that, I was like, okay, he's getting 50 here. And we saw everything. Like He's, he's got all the shots, like we've said. And I think, it, like, I think for me, he, he has to open. If, we, if he's going to play, he has to open. Because it, like we saw when he played 
when he played a little bit further down the order in the ODIs and in the T20s as well, he struggled a lot more. Because I feel like he sometimes struggles to get started against spin. Like I mean, he, obviously when he's in, he's we've saw we've seen him smack huge sixes off of spinners. But sometimes he struggles to get started against spin. So I think if he need, if he's going to play, and he's got to open. But that obviously begs the question of where do we where what do we do with this Roy and Bairstow partnership? One interesting yeah. thing is that we talk about how Roy should definitely be coming back in, but we talked about Milan's average as a reason for keeping him in. Jason Roy's average is actually only 24 in T20s. His record in T20s is nowhere near as good as his ODI record. Mm. Um, and that's something, I mean, I don't really understand because he's amazing in, 50 over, in, in the 50 over game because he goes out and smashes it like it's a T20. But, you know, he is an amazing batsman. So I think he, it's, like, I think, well, I want all of them to play, but that's the, <laughs> that's the difficulty. I'm glad I'm not the person who's uh, having to make these decisions, really. In the wealth of bowling we have in the, test arena at the minute we have him batting in the white ball form and to try and fit six in there seems really tough at the minute I agree with you both he has to open I think he's not useless but you're using him for the wrong thing if he's anywhere else um he's got that gorgeous reverse sweep off the spinners when he, when he's in a couple of drives he hit yesterday were just classical as well you know he's, he's got everything and I, I like that I like maybe saying you know what Roy you're not you know, you can hang around the T20 squad, but maybe you're a one-day player primarily and we'll bring Banton in for this. Um, I see more of an issue in the ODI team bringing Banton into open rather than the T20 team. I think we can happily do that. Um, a quick word before we move on to Pakistan on Owen Morgan, uh, man of the match knock in the second test. I think I said this last year after we won the World Cup. Is he our best ever white ball player? And... Is he going to guide us to another white ball trophy at some point? Is he still going to be there? The way he's batting alone, I think he can be. And as captain, he seems great. So is he our best white ball player ever? I'm chucking that big, wide question out. At I, I think without a doubt. Without a doubt. No one, like, no one's as good as Morgan. and No one's shown the longevity Morgan has. Like You see, again, like we were talking about Jimmy Anderson getting better with age. Morgan, again, his average is getting better and better and better. Whether he'll guide us to another uh, like world trophy is a different matter. Of course, like his captaincy is fantastic, but T20 is such a, an unpredictable game that you know we might, we might not win the T20 World Cup. I think we've got everything to win that T20 World mm. Cup, but it won't be anything to do with Morgan's captaincy that we don't win it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've got to agree. And uh, Nasser Hussein said um, in a decent in a decent opinion piece um, just after the series that you know Owen Morgan was playing these um, you know, innovative shots before anyone else was, especially for England. Really, I mean, you're looking at Butler, Banton, you know, even Roy to an extent hitting all areas of the ground. Definitely Stokes as well. You can 100% count in that category. But I think Morgan was doing it probably before it was fashionable and before before it caught on and yeah I think he's a trailblazer I think he still you know looks absolutely spectacular with his batting his captaincy is fantastic we, we as you discussed you know um, Moeen Ali has come out um, after the game and said you know he appreciates him as a captain and he stood by him and not a lot of I would I would argue not every captain would have done that considering Moeen's form and you know probably the the I would say abuse he's received in the press I mm. think it takes a really powerful um, positive captain stand by him and it paid off yeah and that 66 in the second game you know it came off 33 balls six fours four sixes he had a strike rate of exactly 200 throughout the innings he's brilliant and yeah I think he is very much up there with England's um, you know all-time all-time best you know limited overs players uh, one one thing we may we may have forgotten to mention is that it uh, um, is the Butler situation with the T20s where do we bat Butler because Butler recently has opened in the T20s for England mm-hmm. and Bairstow has pushed, been pushed down to three. Um, obviously, we want to put Banton in there as well. And we're somehow squeezing Milan in. I personally think Butler should move down the order and be a finisher. Yeah. But do you play? You you want your best batsman to bat for as long as possible. So I think it's an interesting question. I like Bairstow maybe moving down. I thought he looked a little bit awkward yesterday against some really good new ball bowling, especially when it's swinging. He's got that huge gap between um, bat and pad that kind of sold him in the, in the test arena. So maybe moving him down is a shout. I agree with Butler as a finisher. So you get Banton and Roy. Um, who batted at three? Who bats at three? Who batted at three yesterday? Okay, Milan. Jeez. Um, 
Uh, I think I would say four, Morgan at five, Butler at six. Be flexible, or is that too deep for Butler? Ben Stokes. Oh, sugar man. (laughs) (laughs) I I, I think that um, Butler. I think what the idea with Butler should be: okay, there's ten overs left. We need this, or Mm. say we're chasing a really big score. There's twelve overs left. Next wicket, Butler goes in. I think, like you say, we should be flexible with it. Mm -hmm. Butler should float around and basically just get to bat for 10 overs pretty much yeah I like that I think he's the biggest weapon so use him in the most in the best way you can and then cement a top three Morgan's always been four hasn't he so cement a top four and then move Butler around there have him on the card as five maybe um it was interesting that Moeen came in at five yesterday actually I thought that was quite that's quite high for him you won't see that kind of positioning when when the big boys are back so we'll bat deep still if we do lose wickets and it's an interesting one, and let's let's look forward to that um, in the Australia series. We'll come on to preview that at the end of the podcast. Let's have a look at uh, Pakistan now, who, as I said in the, in the summary, I spent most of the time Googling some ages. Mohammed Afis, 39. Wahab Riaz, 35. Shoaib Malik, 38. Iftikhar, who looks 40, is actually only 29. He had a really aged face. I think he must have had some <laughs> tough times batting or bowling or whatever. <laughs> Um, and then you had young Ali uh, at three yesterday with with 54 on debut, which is the highest uh, debut score by a Pakistani in T20 internationals. Then you had Mohammed Afis, I said 39. He's averaging 90 at the minute. He made his debut in 2006. And Wahab's had a cracking hair transplant since the last time I saw him. It was nice <laughs> to see him out there. I, I've mentioned this a couple of times now, Shaheen's opening spell yesterday. Zach, I'll come to you first. You know, do you want to talk about that briefly and about Shaheen as, as a limited overs player? He seemed different to the Test Arena. And then tell me more about, I don't know, what, what you've thought about Pakistan this series. Yeah, I mean, I was amazed. The first T20 comes out and bowls like a, a very decent spell in the in like an opening spell. And it was just amazing seeing, I think it was, you know, two or three days after the last Test match. And he comes in a completely different format, uh, completely different conditions and bowled, bowled beautifully again like we've like we've been talking about how great he was in the test series but he was again amazing in this and I mean the ball that got Bairstow yesterday mm. wow wow completely unplayable yeah I'm surprised the only the only bottom of the two overs and the ball was moving I'm surprised they didn't give him a third and he looked a little bit more ineffective uh toward the death overs mm. um Glenn what were your thoughts this Pakistan team a sort of mix of um age old and young Rizwan looking great again with the with the gloves. Um, Safraz is still there or thereabouts as well. He looked decent yesterday. What are your takeaways with Pakistan's side on, on the T20 front? Yeah, there was there was loads to like. I mean, obviously Mohammed Hafiz, um, you know, struck us all as probably the best player um, of the series, which is which is an accolade he actually won. Um, he got 155 runs from just two innings at a pretty remarkable strike rate of 176. So I think he really dominated the field for both teams with the bat I mean they are really really impressive stats um Hadir Ali with a fantastic debut um uh, it was a pretty pretty sensational stuff from the um from the young batsman as you mentioned that is a record on debut which I love Babra Zam let me down I think I'm gonna I'm gonna be honest um Wisden actually only gave him five out of ten in their in their player ratings and they, 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 their complaint with him was that he got 77 runs across the two innings. You know, decent average, 38. Don't get me wrong. But they complained about a strike rate, which was 124 over those. And he just never caught fire. I know Zach's, Zach's um, giving me some strange looks. <laughs> I expect so much from him. As we've discussed before, I think he's one of the best batsmen in the world, um, especially in this form of the game. And I don't know. I just thought there was something a little bit lacking. You know, of course, he got, you know, a decent half century in that second game. But... Yeah, he got bowled. He got cleaned up by Curran, as discussed. And I don't know. I don't think he looked at his best. That would be my criticism with him. Zach? <laughs> uh, I mean, I c- couldn't... I don't think I could disagree much more with that, <laughs> actually. I think I think Babarizam is the classiest T20 batsman in the world. He is the best... For me, he's the best T20 batsman in the world. And somehow he does it without playing any, you know, specific T20 shots. Mm. He plays classic cricket shots throughout. I mean... He got 56 from 44 balls, which isn't amazing. But when you're opening and he is, you know, he's the anchor of that Pakistan innings. So he's doing his role and he and he does. I mean, like we said, we said about in the test match, he kind of goes 
suddenly gets the 50 without seeming like he's done anything. And I, I feel like in the second T20, he did exactly that. He was suddenly he was suddenly on 49, and I was like, I felt like he'd just come in and looked like he was, you know, still making his way. I, I thought he was really good. I mean, his captaincy potentially we could question. He seemed to be getting a bit annoyed. Him and Harris Ralph seemed to be going at each other <laughs> yesterday. Hmm. Interesting. That was an interesting end to the game yesterday. Um, they all looked fuming after they'd won because Ralph had, yeah. had given up a, a six ball to Curran and then, you know, bowled a decent delivery to finish the match. And Bumble was on commentary saying, you've won, lads, you've won. And they're all shouting yeah. at each other. <laughs> Glenn, little rebuttal to your, your Babarazam comments there. You and Wisdom have been very harsh. I think I'm on Zach's side there. He's, oh, he's well, the actor to that. I don't know. I just wanted a little bit more from him. He didn't. He just... It's more a case of, like, I guess I had... Um, I guess the expectations were slightly too high. Um, and then just looking at the bowling, yeah, it was a real mixed bag. Um, Ralph, I think you picked up the very strange atmosphere towards the end because he really gave Curran a freebie with that penultimate ball mm. of the game, which could have swung things. That was a bit of a shocker. But he's quick. I liked him. Um, you know, only three wickets in the series but um, and a pretty high um, economy of n- over nine. But I don't think any bowler came out of this series with, you know, fantastic stats. I think it was very much, very much a batsman's game. Yeah, and then just looking through, you know, Mohamed Amir, a little bit disappointing um, with no wickets. Um, yeah, and I think they got the, um, and just in terms of wicketkeeper, I think they did get it wrong, you know, mixing it up for that third game. And, you know, the misstumping, as we've discussed, of Ali nearly cost them, really, mm-hmm. really did. So it was a, a real mixed bag. Yeah, none of the bowlers particularly standing out, except perhaps, as as discussed, uh, Shahina Freedy's um, opening spell in that in that final test where he looked in the final um T20, where he really did look um, sharp and looked pretty looked, unplayable. He looked a different bowler to the test arena. Not that he looked bad playing tests, but he obviously slows it down a little bit more. But he can really wind it up to 90 plus. And when that ball's swinging for that first over or two, maybe, he's going to be really useful, especially to the right-handers. Um, I liked Imad. I like the way he bowls. Like I said, it looks like he chucks it, but I don't, I don't think that is. <laughs> that, that someone would have noticed that by now. And he's got a cracking beard. Uh, but I like the sort of quick spin. He reminds me of Michael Yardy from back in the day. Um, Shadow didn't look great. Moeen had a, had a good look at him. But yeah, like you said, Glenn, I don't think anyone's come out of this looking great. Some people come out looking, you know, all right. And that's that's probably the best we can get from some of the bowlers. Zach, any final thoughts on Pakistan? Yeah, I think it's interesting you bring up the the, the change with bringing in Safraz for for Rizwan, I mean, the other two changes made sense. It was bringing in Haider Ali, who hit a brilliant innings, like a brilliant, beautiful innings. I think it was he got his fifty from twenty-eight balls mm. and looked and was brilliant. Uh, so that was an, that was a that made sense. The other one was taking out Mohammed Amir, who tried to bowl on even though he's clearly pulled his hamstring. <laughs> so that was uh, that made sense. But bringing in Safraz when Rizwan hadn't batted and hadn't mm-hmm. made hadn't batted and haven't made any mistakes with the gloves mm-hmm. the only the only thought i can think about is obviously suffers was captain until recently so baba wanted more experience around him another leader in the, in the team but he would have still been in the dressing room and suffers was dropped for a reason suffers yeah. had a really disappointing world cup really i mean he was he was the captain when pakistan were the best t20 team in the world but recently hasn't performed and was rightfully dropped for Rizwan. He looked a little bit miserable in the World Cup, didn't he? A lot of people yeah. picked up on his energy behind the stumps. Like he just looked like he didn't want to be there. Yeah, and that is one of just one of those images. I was just watching one of the Pakistan games last summer, and he just looked sad the entire the entire fifty overs. He looked miserable, um, and I don't think yesterday would have helped him particularly. <laughs> to, to be perfectly honest, it's a good job um, they got over the line because that stumping would have won yeah. the game. And Rizwan took an amazing catch off Moeen Ali, uh, who nicked it. He had two little grabs at it. Um, in the second or first T20, I can't remember now, but um, such parallels between two cricketers. And it's not like Rizwan's miserable behind the stump. Like Safraz, you could hear a lot of him um, yesterday through stump Mike, but Rizwan's that sort of character as well. I think all wicket keepers are. You're not going to lose that energy from Rizwan, Rizwan to Safraz, in my opinion. I think yeah. it was interesting. I feel like uh, Safraz spoke a lot more English behind the stumps yesterday. Mm. It was almost like he was trying to get at the English batsman more, whereas Rizwan, I mean... I don't understand a word of what he's saying, but he's just talking so loudly yeah. all the time. And I love that. And I kind of, I mean, it was, it was interesting to be able to understand what Safraz was saying, but it felt like it was, you know, more aimed at the batsman. Do you know why I like Safraz? I think he was doing it whenever there was a ball on that, you know, that sort of blue chalk they put in for a wide ball. He goes, yeah, lovely delivery, lovely delivery. Just so the umpire's like, oh, well, can't give that a wide then. I well, think there was a bit of that in there as well, a bit of gamesmanship. 
Yeah, it was like Rizwan, Rizwan appealing every time it went slightly down the leg side, <laughs> yeah. just to, just to ward off the Y. That's it. Every time a face bowler bowled one, it was very close to clipping their pad or clipping something. He would appeal just to be like, well, you can't give it a wide if I'm appealing for it. It must have hit something. <laughs> Wicket keepers, man, they're, they're different breeds. Um, well, we liked that. It was a good series. I, I enjoyed it. I've enjoyed all the cricket this summer, so I'm not going to say I didn't enjoy it because I did. Um, Let's look forward to the Australia series then very briefly. We have two squads. They announced them, ooh, whenever that was, a couple of days ago. And the first T20 starts on Friday. And can I come to the ODI squad first? Because I'm, I'm more interested in this because we haven't seen it for a while. Uh, we have got, this would be my 11. And then I'll give you, the, they only announced a 13-man squad, which I found interesting. Uh, Banton, Bairstow, Root, Morgan, Billings, Butler, Wokes, Rashid, Ali, Archer, Wood, and then the two Currens are also in the squad. They'd be on the sideline for the first one. I'd move Ali higher at the order. I don't know why I had him at nine. That's harsh. Um, so yeah, that, that's the squad. That's the eleven I had, followed by the two Currens. Boys, what do you think? Who, do you think that's going to be the starting eleven? Um, bit of shuffling around. Maybe I put one too many batsmen in there. I don't know. Give, give me your thoughts. I think the only, the only thing I would I would maybe change would be potentially one of the currents if the pitch hasn't got as much pace in it mm-hmm. like if it's a bit of a two-paced pitch I'd potentially put Tom Curran in there but I think the amount of batsmen and um, I mean I think the amount of batsmen and bowlers is, is fine I was it was surprised to hear you put Rashid above Moeen in the batting order but you know I, <laughs> I, I had Moeen at nine I'm sorry Moeen you're at well, I can't put you in, I'll put you in at seven below Butler yeah are we happy above, with that ab- above our man Chris Wokes of course, no. of course. That's nothing on Chris Wokes. It's nothing on Chris Wokes. Yeah, and just just to hop in, I think harsh on on David Wiley, who um, he took eight wickets um, at an average of eighteen point five and was man of the series against Ireland this summer. Seems a bit odd. You're playing Ireland. You want to figure out some of your you know better second string players. I think it was you know there was a lot of people in transition in that in the island um series and i think he offers something different um and i'm disappointed that he's not in the squad yeah as i said you know player of the series against ireland not making the 13 bit of a tough one and i think he was really unlucky to to not miss to miss out on the world cup obviously in, in retrospect it didn't matter we obviously did brilliantly don't get me wrong there but i think it's a bit it's a bit harsh on him but the rest i would say that 11 pretty good i think i agree with you there glenn i I think we had such a good series and lucky left out brought that back that he deserved a place for probably one of the currents, probably Sam, if you want this because he's he's the left armor, Willie can do that job. Um, especially if he's only going to carry the drinks, you know, I think he deserves a place in the squad. Zach. Yeah, I completely agree. I was gonna say, I mean, surely I, I don't really understand picking Sam Curran. Mm-hmm. Sam Curran hasn't played much white ball cricket for England. Mm-hmm. So I think Picking David Willey, who bowled quite well. I mean, his death bowling left a lot to be desired against, uh, you know, an all right Ireland team. But they're not they're not Australia. They're not India. Yeah. So against a team like that, I can see him being torn apart. But it's just to, as a squad member, it's, it's, a, it's a different option, a left armour. And he has a lot more experience in this form than Sam Curran does. So I, I don't see the logic there. Yeah, we spoke before, Zach, before we started recording, that, that Sam Curran was a bit of a strange one. I can't remember the last yeah. time I saw him in, in the Reds and Blues for England. Um, OK, so we're happy with that squad um, from the England perspective. Let's look at the T20 squad. It's a 14-man squad for the three-match series that starts on Friday. My headline, well, the headline, you know, around the sort of media circles was that Joe Root uh, has not been included. He... He was probably going to get dropped anyway, or not dropped, but not included anyway. But then he happened to score two fifties for Yorkshire in the blast. I'm perfectly happy to see Root not in this team. I don't think we need him, or that the depth of batting requires him. Um, boys, what do, you, what do you think on that? What do you think on Root? Yeah, I think that's fair enough. Yeah, as, as you mentioned, he got sixty, got two sixties in his last two innings um, for Yorkshire against Notts and um, Derbyshire. He actually picked up two wickets with the ball in that game Ooh. against Derby. Where I didn't he, got know that. Two, he got career best, I think, um, T20 figures of two for seven. So oh, wow. there's stuff to like, but Zach and I actually, um, I think we discussed this um, a couple of days ago. His T20 average in the Big Bash was a little bit disappointing. It was nothing to write home about. I think mm-hmm. it was around the 20s. Zach, any thoughts on that? I, I, same as Dan, like 
fair play. He's done pretty well in the T20 um, blast so far, but I don't think he's going to be picked above any of the other batsmen we've discussed at length this episode. No, I, th- I think it would take an exceptionally good blast of him hitting 50 or 60 in pretty much every game for him to warrant a recall to this squad. I mean, it's I don't think it's anything against Joe Root. Mm-hmm. It's just that we have, I mean, and obviously he's our, He's, he's probably our best our best batsman in the Test arena and, a very, and was very good in the World Cup. But in the T20 sphere, we have just seven or eight batsmen who are better than him. Like I wouldn't, I, I mean, especially at the top order, because if Root comes in, he has to bat three or four. He's not a big hitter. He's not going to come in. Because I think a lot of the problem we had in the big bash was he was batting down at five. And therefore, obviously, Root doesn't hit that many sixes, really, does he? Like I mean, and Root being a big hitter, just it just isn't the way he bats. So if Root's going to come in, he's going to have to play... He's going to have to come in at three and be the anchor to the innings. And I feel like we've got so much talent, we kind of almost don't need a player like that. Yeah, I'm in on that. It's no slight against Root. It's just there's there's better batsmen out there. And I think he'd, he'd happily probably relinquish his T20 duties to focus on his important role in the one-day squad, not as captain, mm-hmm. but as, as an anchor player and uh, his role in the, um, in the test squad. Um, other headlines for the T20 squad to play Australia is Wood and Archer have been given a recall, which I think is great. I can't wait to see them playing a bit of white ball Same. cricket again. And then Joe Denley's in the squad. What's going on there? What's happening? So, oh, I mean, someone explain. I just don't understand. I saw a tweet that was saying that he he must have indecent images of uh, some of the selectors. Like <laughs> 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 it was something that, about uh, about Joe Denley having pictures because otherwise. How is he in this squad? He averages 9.6 in his T20 international career. I mean, for me, if I pick if I picked a 30-man squad to go to the T20 World Cup, Joe Denley still wouldn't make it. <laughs> I, it's, it is laughable. And I saw him at the game yesterday carrying the drinks, just looking a bit, a bit lost. I think he's even wondering what's going on here because who is he going to push out of that team? nobody quite frankly I was saying to Zach again before recording I remember watching him play in 2009 as a sort of young whippersnapper opening the batting and he wasn't much use then either so I don't think there's a place for a a 100 ball 25 um, at number three in the T20 so (laughs) listen if he gets one around for the Australia games um, good luck to him otherwise um, as we saw in Pakistan um, I haven't actually looked much at the Australia squad Zach you mentioned before we recorded uh, a few players you'd like to mention from that it looked like a pretty strong squad to me on a glance yeah it's a very strong squad we've got like most of the core of the team that were very good in the world cup and well a few of the players that i haven't played too much white ball stuff uh not i've seen too much of the white ball stuff but played very well in the ashes so hazelwood's in the in this squad but he's he was very good in the big bash one player i wanted to point out was josh Philippi, who played who won the big bash this year with sydney sixers and is a 23 year old wicketkeeper batsman he opens the batting, so I, I'm not sure how much if he's going to get much play in this because obviously Warner and Finch are kind of their set opening pair, almost like Bearstone and Roy. But if Philippi could get a game, I think it could be really interesting to see him play. Glenn, anyone you're excited about from, from this Australia team? We obviously had the, the series of beat them 5-0 in 2018. Um, we lost them uh, in the World Cup group match. We beat them in that all-important semi-final. So Australia obviously having a resurgence since that 2018 team that we humiliated. I mean, is anyone getting you excited or are you looking at the, the sort of old favourites of, of Warner and Finch, etc.? Yeah, I think for me, it's the old favourites. Um, I'm really excited to see, you know, a few different players for them. But they have such big hitters, don't they? You know, the thoughts of, of Finch and Warner going up against, you know, our butler um, and, you know, Banton. It, it, it just it just makes for a really exciting series. And as, as you said, there is still that... Um, that tension from the World Cup, whereby you know we did um, did one over on them, and I think and there's always that rivalry, right? It's Australia and England. It's never a boring, it's never a boring series. Um, so lots to be excited about. It's a huge turnover. I mean, you're looking at these, um, you know, three T20s, three ODIs, um, and the entire thing. Six games will be wrapped up by the 16th of September. So it's wow. again a, another really concise series. There's going to be a lot for us to talk about. And yeah, I'm excited for it. It's just what we need. You know, hopefully the weather holds up. That is my main worry at the minute. It's just the classic British September doesn't make for particularly good weather conditions, unfortunately. Yeah. Let's hope we get a bit of an Indian summer because there's the Vitality Blast to sit and enjoy as well. I was sitting watching Lancashire Derbyshire wondering what I was doing myself the other night. So maybe when it gets down to the 
the nitty gritty. I'll be more excited. We will review the T20 and the one day series um, coming up against Australia and we'll look at our T20 and one day World Cup squads for them. So if we can get one of them ready, we'll have a good chat about that, who we're taking. Squads are nice and easy to talk about because you don't have to cram yes. into 11. So we can have a relaxing one then and then in a few <laughs> months or years time, whenever the, the World Cup eventually gets played, we'll pick an 11. But for now, a squad, um, I've got a quick tweet of the week to round us off. Hey, episode. It's from the cricketer. It was more news than a tweet of the week, but as you were both Somerset boys, and we did touch on this in the other episode, Don Bess is officially off to Yorkshire. They've got an interesting piece about that. I don't really care personally. Good luck to him. <laughs> are you going to miss him, boys? What are your thoughts? Yes. Um, two quick things. One, I've got another tweet of the week as well, which um, uh, which I just found, which I think we'll really like in a second. Yeah, we'll miss him. But, you know, Leach is, as we've discussed on this mm-hmm. podcast at length, I think Leach is technically a better spinner. And he isn't, and Bess isn't getting enough cricket. And it reminds me um, of, you know, when we had two exceptional wicketkeeper batsmen a couple of years ago. I think that's exactly what Zach was going to say. I Zach, you can point. follow up. Yeah, I mean, so there's a lot of talk on Somerset Twitter at the moment about us having doing the same thing as we did with Keith, because we had Keyswetter and Butler, and Keyswetter obviously won the T20 World Cup with England, mm-hmm. but Butler wanted to be Somerset's wicketkeeper, and obviously Butler, Keyswetter ended up retiring after getting hit in the face with a ball. So, um, but and Butler is, you know, Butler is Butler, and there's a lot of Somerset fans who are still so gutted that Butler isn't a Somerset player. A lot of Somerset fans still kind of view him as a Somerset player. So I think there's a lot of there's a lot of worry that the same thing's going to happen because of the what we've said about the age difference between Leach and Bess. But I wish Bess all the best, Bess all the best, <laughs> and I hope he does well at Yorkshire. It will be interesting to see if it's a bit of a Butler situation. Uh, he'll join uh, Yorkshire in 2021. Exciting stuff, Glenn. What's that one more tweet of the week you got? Okay, yeah, our, uh, Dan's got golf to play, which is why he got me up at the crack of dawn. So we'll let yeah, you go I've got straight after this. The golf in about twenty. <laughs> Ali Martin, a uh, cricket a cricket journalist for Guardian Sport and the Observer, said, Owen Morgan certainly backs his players. Small thing, perhaps, but it transpires that he asked out of form Moeen Ali to deliver the pre-match team talk, which I love. And I didn't know that. So yeah, that's, I think that's, that's a great that's bit about Morgan. And I think it shows you a lot of what makes Ali tick as well. Boys, it's been an absolute pleasure again. Glenn, thank you so much for getting up so early so I can go play a, a, a wet round of golf. <laughs> Anytime. Zach, maybe got cricket training later. Oh, it's, already, it's actually been cancelled whilst we were on this oh. call, which is... Oh, no. Yeah. You can't Gutting. work on that, that eight and that yeah. not, non for you had the other week. Well, we'll feedback next week on what happens. I'll let you know how the round of golf goes next week as well. Um, <laughs> get T20 and one-day squads ready. We'll look at them next week. Enjoy the Australia series. Thank you for listening to Cow Corner. This has been episode seven, and we'll see you next week. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.